0: Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and today I am happy to say that we are finally less than a week away from the 2023 college football season kicking off. Notre Dame and Navy will take the field in Dublin, Ireland to play at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can best believe that I will be glued to the TV the entire time. As long as it's not like TCU versus Georgia— it's a 65-7 to 7 game. I'll be glued to that screen right until the clock hits zero. This will be the first college football game that we have all witnessed since January 9th. Today will be one of my final preseason videos. I'm going to be talking about who I think the 25 best teams in America are in the 2023 season. This includes regular season projections, bowl projections, conference championship, and college football playoff predictions as well, all wrapped into this one video. I want to get into the details and get right to the content, but before I can, we have to go over some ground rules. There's a lot of information pertaining to each team, and I'm not going to be able to cover all of it in great detail, otherwise this would be a three- or four-hour video. So I'm going to try and limit it to about two minutes for each team and we're going to be starting from 25 going all the way down to one saving the best for last on the left hand side of the screen you will see position by position rankings from the staff to the quarterback running back wide receivers tight ends offensive and defensive line linebackers defensive backs and special teams i will give a letter grade to each of those positions on the bottom of the screen, you will see my final record prediction, which includes any postseason and regular season play and predictions I have for the team. On the right-hand side, you will see my detailed schedule predictions along with score predictions. And near the team logo in the middle of the screen, you will see my projections for scoring offense, scoring defense, as well as what my potential power index thinks about each team overall and how they grade each team's offense and defense. Thank you for your patience and your support for this channel. Before we get to it, please hit that subscribe button and like this video so this video can explode and get into the algorithm. I'm hoping this video can get 10,000 views within the first two days, and I know you guys can make that happen. Comment your own top 25 or part of your top 25 down below, and I promise I will reply to your comment, and we can have a conversation down in the comment section below. Without further ado, let's jump right in and talk about the number 25 team on my list. I'm so excited for college football to kick off. The Texas A&M Aggies. I have them going 8-5, and 4-4 four and four in the SEC. I think the Aggies will win a big game on the road at Miami. However, this team, much like last year, I expect to be defensively focused. It took a while for me to say that, but I think their identity is going to be on the defensive side of the football. I think against teams that have dynamic offenses, that have great schemers at offensive coordinator or head coach, I think Jimbo Fisher will struggle against those minds. I think Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU, and Kansas in the bowl game will qualify as such teams. Auburn and Kansas will have explosive, dynamic offenses. Alabama, LSU are the more physical teams that just have much more talent and are much better developed and coached than AM, in my opinion. And Ole Miss is a tough road game, where Ole Miss is amazing at running the football. a defense, their weakness last year was stopping the run, and while I think they will improve in that area, especially since I think Walter Nolan is going to be a breakout player at defensive tackle— former five-star coming out of high school, I think that Ole Miss will still be able to get the better of Texas A&M. A&M is strong at wide receiver. They return Evan Stewart and Moose Muhammad there. At defensive line, they have players like Shamar Stewart and Walter Nolan, who are slowly but surely climbing up the depth chart, gaining experience, and their five-star potentials really being tapped into. They're also great at linebacker, defensive back, special teams, and they have solid tight ends, and they do have a high-ceiling quarterback in Connor Weekman. At running back and offensive line, I have some concerns, and I also think the game of football has passed Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher by. Nonetheless, Texas A&M will bounce back and go bowling, unlike last year, where they finished 5-7. and seven. Up next at number 24, we have the Michigan State Spartans. Mel Tucker, And company, I think, will go eight and five, five and four for this season. Michigan State has one of the toughest schedules in America. I think they have the number one toughest schedule in all of college football. Now, that's just my personal opinion. ESPN, CBS, other channels would probably like to debate this or disagree with it, and I think there is debate. However, I think that Washington, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio State, Penn State, and even Arkansas in the bowl game, and I don't want to count out Maryland either to go back to them, all of those teams do have high ceilings. And Michigan State is a team that while they have improved in recruiting, it is going to be very hard to beat all of these teams who, in practice or in theory, have a higher team talent composite index, according to 24-7 Sports, or, or maybe a combination of both, those teams will have better staffs, especially at strength and conditioning, and there's a lot of unknowns for Michigan State this year. I think they'll lose to Washington, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State, but I think they'll upset Penn State, they'll beat Maryland and Nebraska, and they'll beat Arkansas in their bowl game. Michigan State will be amazing at tight end. I think Malik Carr will be one of the best tight ends in the country. On the defensive line, they have players like Simeon Barrow, Jalen Sammy, Tunmise Adelele, who actually transferred in from number 25, Texas A&M. At linebacker, they return Jacoby Winman. I think the secondary will be the best that it has ever been in the Mel Tucker era at Michigan State. Some weaknesses and concerns for State are the staff. I don't think Scotty Hazleton or Jay Johnson are coordinators that will bring Michigan State into the future. At quarterback, they have good and solid options, but whether it's Keaton Hauser or whether it's Noah Kim, I have a hard time seeing them in the top four of Big Ten quarterbacks, and they lost wide receiver Keon Coleman to the transfer portal. But I think eight and five, five and four on the season, Mel Tucker will definitely have a bounce back season. At number 23, we have the Kansas Jayhawks. Now, Kansas appeared in my winter top 25. They missed out on my post-spring top 25, but back in my summer top 25, 10-3, 6-3 and, three, six and three in the Big 12, and I think this offense is going to be on fire. Now, against a team like Texas, where Texas just completely outmatches them in talent, I think that's got to be a loss, but I think Kansas has the chance to be an Every game, period, amen, that they have on their regular season schedule this year. I think BYU and Iowa State, for a variety of reasons, will beat Kansas as well. I think BYU's too physical at the lines of scrimmage, and they have a power run game that can allow them to somewhat control the game in a shootout. And Iowa State's defense is just too good, even with all of those suspensions, and it's a road game as well. But outside of that, I think the Jayhawks will will beat Illinois. They'll beat both of the Oklahoma schools, they'll beat Texas Tech, upset, rival Kansas State for the first time in a while, and they'll beat Texas A&M in the bowl game. Kansas has Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean at quarterback. That's, I think, one of the best, if not the best, quarterback duo in the country, and I think Kansas, as a controversial opinion, I think they have the deepest quarterback room in college football. You heard that here first. Devin Neal at running back is also a great player, and then Mason Fairchild, Luke Grimm, there are plenty of guys at wide receiver and tight end who are underrated. This offensive buzz, I think Lance Leipold is a great coach who is just slowly but surely rising through the ranks. Defense, period amen, is where there's concern, especially in the trenches defensively, which will hold Kansas back but they will easily have their best season with 10 wins since the Mark Mangino era, more specifically that crazy 2007 season where Kansas went 12-1 and and won the Orange Bowl, for crying out loud. Up next, we have Tennessee. The Tennessee Volunteers have kept falling down my list, and part of it is the fact that I like Joe Milton, but I think there are an infinite amount of questions surrounding him, and I can't see him making that massive leap into being an elite quarterback. He has all the physical tools, but I think inaccuracy, along with the defense, and more specifically a secondary that was just downright bad last year, and losses on the offensive line will cause Tennessee to fall to a 9-4, and 5-3 and three in the SEC record, which is still very good. I believe in Josh Heupel, I believe in Tennessee, and Joe Milton, to go back to him, will have by far his best season as a quarterback. And after this year will definitely get drafted in the 2024 draft. Tennessee opens up with a relatively easy schedule. I know that a road game at Florida, of course, in the Swamp will be tough, but Florida, spoiler alert, I have them going 3-9 and nine this year. With Graham Mertz at quarterback and a defense that is making him look good in practice, I don't think much of Florida this year. They'll start out 5-0, and but Texas A&M has a big matchup advantage. AM's D line is much better than Tennessee's offensive line. And I think AM will get a big win there. Tennessee will inevitably lose on the road at Alabama, in my mind, along with at home against Georgia. They will also lose in a very contested bowl game against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. They'll beat Kentucky for, I think it's the third year in a row, and they'll be 3-0 against Kentucky under Josh Heupel, which is a good accomplishment. And they'll also beat Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Florida, as I've already mentioned before. This team's going to get nine wins. At wide receiver, they have players like Ramel Keaton, Dante Thornton, Squirrel White. They're going to be amazing at wide receiver. Quarterback, I think Joe Milton's going to be good. They have great running backs. Defensive line, they return key players there. But the defense, there's a little too many questions there for my personal comfort. At number 21, We have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame is going to be the college football team that kicks off the season against their rival, Navy. I can't even believe I'm saying that, that Notre Dame and Navy are a rivalry. But they are. They very much are. And as a Michigan fan, I wish that Michigan and Notre Dame played yearly, but unfortunately they don't. But to get back on topic, Notre Dame this year... What was really disappointing in my mind was they couldn't hire Andy Ludwig and they got stuck with Gerard Parker, and in my mind, that sacrifice is a win. The the differential between those two coordinators is between the Sun and the next closest galaxy to our own, but I think that Notre Dame, despite a huge loss to Ohio State, an upset loss versus Louisville, and a close, painful loss against USC— I do see them much like last year picking up some wins where maybe we don't expect it. NC State could totally be a point where they lose, but I think Notre Dame will squeak out there with a win. I think they'll beat Duke as well in Pittsburgh, who should be solid ACC teams, and I think they'll beat Clemson again. They will have been 3 and 0 versus Clemson in the regular season since 2020 if they if they win. And I think they do, because I think Notre Dame has a line of scrimmage advantage. That run game is going to be able to control that matchup. And I personally think that Notre Dame's going to go into that game underrated. Clemson will be an inflated team, and you'll see why I think that in a few spots. But I think the Irish will go 9-4, losing a close bowl game against Auburn in the Gator Bowl. They have a great quarterback in Sam Hartman. And they have a good running back in Audric Estime, but they don't have a ton of well-known, proven weapons at wide receiver. At tight end, they're going to have a huge drop-off after Michael Mayer left for the NFL. They do return Joe Alt at offensive line and Jack Kaiser at linebacker, though. So this team has talent. They definitely can compete for a college football playoff spot because of the tough schedule and their talent. And I think Marcus Freeman is just growing and growing every day as a head coach. But this year, I think once again, Notre Dame's just going to get around 8, 9, 10 wins. Marcus Freeman is still building this thing up. At number 20, we have the Auburn Tigers, who are going to be starting Peyton Thorne. Hugh Freeze is their head coach. So there's controversy surrounding this program, both within the head coach, but also in how they handled Brian Harson and the fact that they've really used the transfer portal to their advantage. I think the Tigers are going to go 9-4, 4-4 and four, four and four in the SEC. They, along with Michigan State and later Ole Miss and Minnesota, have one of the nation's most brutal schedules. I mean, when you play Georgia and Alabama, that's just crazy. But I think Auburn will notch a win on the road against California early in the year, along with Texas A&M. So they'll start out hot, but Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss, I think, are too solid, and especially Georgia and Ole Miss when it comes to running the football. Georgia because of their O-line, Ole Miss because of Quinshawn Judkins. I think they're going to fall in that three-game stretch, bounce back against Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, lose in a shootout against Arkansas, but they'll upset Alabama at home, and they will beat Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. This team will be very interesting to watch. I think Hugh Free's teams from their time at Ole Miss just have a knack for being strange, whether it's beating Alabama two years in a row and then finding ways to lose to Brett Bielema's Arkansas or Memphis. This team could be a toxic team that only causes chaos, and I think with Jarquez Hunter at running back, they're obviously going to get in Robbie Ashford. He's too athletic not to get in the game, I think, with run packages They've rebuilt the lines of scrimmage using the portal, and they have a great defensive back room. Philip Montgomery and Ron Roberts, that's a good coordinator duo, and I think that the Auburn Tigers could cause trouble to anyone they face this year. That even includes Georgia, who, mind you, will have their first road game in Jordan-Hare Stadium. So that's going to be an interesting game to watch for. But I have Auburn going 9-4, 4-4 and four, four and four in the SEC. I'm very high on the Tigers this season. At number 19 we have Kansas State. Kansas State I think will go 10 and 4, 7 and 2 in conference, much like last year. Except this time I don't think they will win the Big 12. The Big 12 will be more balanced and the team that wins the Big 12 will have such a sheer talent advantage over the Wildcats that I have a hard time seeing them win unless that team I'll whisper it to you. Texas, doesn't get in. But maybe I'm wrong. I think Kansas State does have that potential to upset Texas. I just think the Longhorns this year, as you'll see later, are going to be a good football team. Kansas State will be a team that is in the college football playoff conversation come November. This is the first team that we've come across in this list where they'll be there. After going undefeated from Southeast Missouri all the way up to Houston and getting good wins against TCU, Texas Tech... Missouri on the road who's an underrated SEC team they'll have to play on the road at Texas that's a game where Kansas State at offensive line and I think at coaching probably has an advantage but Texas just has such a good roster and they have that home field advantage that I think that Kansas State would have had a better shot if they caught Texas earlier in the season but they get them later in the season and as a result I think they'll lose to Texas they'll lose to rival Kansas as well And they'll lose to Texas again in the Big 12 championship game, as Texas will be that team that keeps growing throughout the season, and they will lose to Oregon in their bowl game. Chris Kleiman, Joe Klanderman, Colin Klein, very good staff. You know what you're getting with Kansas State. And Will Howard could be a dark horse Heisman contender at quarterback. At wide receiver, they brought in Keegan Johnson from Iowa, and they return, I think, Philip Brooks, but correct me if I'm wrong as well there. At tight end, they bring back Ben Sinat, and also Cooper Beebe comes back on the offensive line. So this Kansas State team will be fundamentally sound. Defensively, I have concerns at corner, safety, as well as the defensive line. But I think 10 wins once again, and Kansas State begins to show themselves as one of the Big 12's better teams in Texas and Oklahoma's final season with the conference. At number 18... We have the Iowa Hawkeyes. I think Iowa goes 9-4, and 6-3 and three in the Big Ten. And Iowa has one of the nation's easier schedules, in my mind. Whether it's Auburn, Ole Miss, in Tennessee, they face Alabama, Georgia every year. Or whether it's Minnesota, or Michigan State, or Maryland or Indiana, where they face Ohio State and Michigan in the same season. Here comes Iowa bringing in Kate McNamara from the portal, returning their entire offensive line. At defensive line, bringing back Joe Evans, Deontay Craig, Noah Shannon, Joe Evans. They'll make one of the best defensive lines in college football. Also bringing back Cooper DeJean at corner. And Iowa just has a road game against Penn State, a road game against Minnesota, and a home game against Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan State, and a few other Big Ten West teams. And that road game against Iowa State with Hunter Deckers probably not playing this year no longer looks at all intimidating, even though Iowa found a way to lose to the Cyclones last year despite blocking two punts. It's how pathetic this offense was. I think they'll beat Iowa State, Michigan State, avenge their loss against Nebraska. Iowa will be on in somewhat a kind of revenge tour this year against Nebraska, Iowa State and other teams that they lost to, like Illinois. However, Penn State and Wisconsin are too talented. They're on the road. Can Iowa beat them? Yes, but I don't think it's likely. And I think P.J. Flex, Minnesota Golden Gophers finally get that first win over Kirk Ferentz and his staff. I also have the Iowa Hawkeyes playing USC in the Las Vegas Bowl, where I think USC wins off of their sheer talent. And I also think Lincoln Riley is a better head coach than Kirk Ferentz. Just wanted to put that out there. Kirk Ferentz and Iowa have a 1,000-yard running back in Caleb Johnson, in my mind. They also have one of the best tight end duos in the country in Luke Lachey and Eric Hall. And their special teams returns both, in my mind, an All-Big Ten All-American kicker and punter. So solid on offense, elite on defense, and special teams equals a great 9-win team who's in the top 20. At number 17, we have the Ole Miss Rebels, Lane Kiffin and company. You know, Lane Kiffin said that the state of college football is a complete disaster, and then he contributes to it. It's the most Lane Kiffin thing in the world. Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss have a chance to cause disaster in college football by either beating beating Tulane or losing to them in their second game of the season. You beat Tulane and you beat America's Darlings, or you lose to Tulane, And the entire SEC looks at you and says, good luck with your tough schedule that includes road games against Alabama and Georgia. Yikes. I think that they'll lose to Alabama and Georgia on the road. Also lose to LSU in a close game at home. But they will beat Tulane. They'll beat Auburn, Arkansas, Texas A&M. Also beat their rival Mississippi State, who they lost to last year, before losing in dominant fashion likely with some opt-outs, to Penn State in the Citrus Bowl. Ole Miss has the second-best running back in college football in Quinshawn Judkins, and if he's not the second-best, his floor is being number three. Judkins was amazing as a freshman last year. He'll get better this season. My concern for Ole Miss, number one's the offensive line, number two is quarterback. They have several quarterbacks who are good, whether it's Walker Howard, Spencer Sanders, or Jackson Dart. Neither of them are great. So they have one of the nation's deeper quarterback rooms, but their ceiling is so low that that just almost cancels out that depth. But in a good news for the Rebels, if QB1 gets injured, QB2 will step in and almost nothing will change. They also have playmakers at tight end with, I forget his first name, but um Priestcorn. Tight end coming in from Memphis, who is really good. He's running with the ones, and they have another good tight end behind him. At linebacker, defensive back, and wide receiver, they do also have capable playmakers. And Lane Kiffin, you may like him, you may not, but I do think there is a part of him that is an underrated coach, and he knows what he's doing by using the transfer portal. I think the Rebels will go 9-4, and 5-3 and three in the SEC this season. And they'll finish behind... Only two teams that we'll be discussing in our top 10. At number 16, we have the Minnesota Golden Gophers, who I think will go 10-3, and 6-3 and three in the Big Ten. The Gophers have a Thursday night matchup against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Thursday night. So right out of the gate, they get tested. And I think that test, Minnesota and P.J. Fleck will pass with flying colors, with a 100%. It's not because Nebraska's bad. I think Nebraska will have their best team since 2016. Maybe even better than the 2016 team. But I think Minnesota's just that good. And I think you're going to see that against Eastern Michigan, especially against North Carolina on the road, where I think they get a big win. Unfortunately for the Minnesota Golden Gophers, I think a home game against Michigan and a road game against Ohio State are going to be far too much for there to be much Of any hope. And Minnesota also between Iowa, Illinois, and Michigan State. That is a tough three-game stretch after the Michigan game. I think they are going to drop one of those games, and I think it will be an upset loss to Illinois. However, they will beat Tennessee in a close game in their bowl matchup, and Minnesota and PJ Fleck for the third year in a row will beat the Wisconsin Badgers. So PJ Fleck and Minnesota. I think the golfers will have their best season since 2019, in large part because of Brevin Spanford and Nick Callarup at tight end, Corey Crooms, Daniel Jackson, and Chris Altman-Bell at wide receiver. At quarterback, Ethan kaliak and Cole Kramer are battling it out, and I think Kaliak-Manus will start. I think Kaliak-Manus, with the great supporting cast around him, Nathan Bowie and Quinn Carroll on the interior offensive line, Tyler Cooper and others, He will do well, but I don't think Minnesota, much like Ole Miss, has a game-winner at quarterback. They need that great supporting cast. The difference is Minnesota, offensively, is a better supporting cast than Ole Miss does. However, I think Ole Miss does have a more solid defense. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I think Minnesota does have some concerns at defense after losing Mariano Marin, along with Jordan Howden. But They return Tyler Newbin and Justin Wally as well. So go Gophers, and I think that they're going to shock the world this season, or at least come very close to doing so. At number 15, we have the Clemson Tigers. I thought that I would be one of the people, and by people I mean whether it's pundits, whether it's channels, analysts, or just fans. You can call me whichever one you want. I don't know if I'd go as far to say expert, though I hope I can gain that reputation at some point. I thought I would be one of the people who would rank Clemson the lowest this year. I don't think that's necessarily the case, because even when Josh Pate comes out and says Clemson's most likely regular season record is 10-2, and two, even that kind of made my eyebrows raise up. And the reason for that is, outside of Florida State, on this schedule, who realistically presents a challenge, or should? Talk about theoreticals. Of course, Including the Notre Dame game in there is, that's upset country. Clemson is going to be better than Notre Dame. But because of matchups, and because I think it's a trap game as well for Clemson, I think Notre Dame will enter that game underrated, and they'll come out with a big win. There's no other team outside of Florida State, and maybe Duke, in Week 1 on a Monday night, who will truly challenge the Clemson Tigers, in my mind. NC State, Miami not even North Carolina because their defense is just vomit-worthy. I think South Carolina takes a big step back. Ultimately, it's Florida State or bust. If they can beat Florida State two times, they're probably a lock for the college football playoff, even though I don't think they're going to come close to being a top-four team. Florida State will go 1-1 one one versus the Clemson Tigers, and Clemson will also lose to Notre Dame in an upset and lose to LSU in the Peach Bowl. I think, ultimately, Clemson... They did the right move by bringing in Garrett Riley. They now have one of the better staffs in America again. At quarterback, they have Kate Klubnick. They have Will Shipley at running back, who could be a Heisman contender there. But at wide receiver, tight end, you know, they lost Davis Allen at tight end. The offensive line isn't good. They haven't recruited or developed exceptionally well there. Defensively, they have the talent, but I have some questions about Mickey Kahn and that defensive staff and, and Wes Goodwin. So I think 11-3, and 8-0 and in the ACC, once again is in play, just like last season. And speaking of the ACC champion, we got the Florida State Seminoles here at number 14. I think that Florida State will go 11-3, 7-1 and in the ACC. I think LSU is going to have a target on Florida State's back in that Sunday neutral site game. That will be a close loss for Florida State, but in a sense, a necessary one, and if they win out after that loss, I think they probably would get into the college football playoff. Unfortunately, a road game against Clemson does stand in the way, but I think that they will beat everyone else, much like Clemson will likely do so, outside of that road matchup. Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, Miami, Florida, and Pittsburgh on the virtue of Pittsburgh's great coaching and the fact that it's a road game, or Florida, the virtue that they do have a much higher blue-chip ratio, they have a great run game, an offensive line which matches up well with Florida State, who defensively has struggled against the run, outside of those two teams and Clemson and LSU, Florida State has eight guaranteed wins, and I think they're going to go 50-50 in those remaining four games. That means losing to Clemson and LSU— but beating Pittsburgh and Florida, in my mind. They'll avenge their earlier loss to Clemson by, in my opinion, having a dominant defensive showing against them in the ACC championship game. However, they will beat, not beat, but they will be beat by the Alabama Crimson Tide in the Orange Bowl. I think that this team on staff, Mike Norvell has to prove himself. I'm not as high on him as many others are. Obviously, the AP poll has Florida State at 8th and Clemson at ninth. and here I have them five spot, five or six spots lower than they are, respectively, by the AP poll. I think at quarterback, with Jordan Travis, they're set. At running back, Trey Benson was a player that I underrated and overlooked earlier in the year. People told me that, and now I've readjusted Florida State's running back room accordingly. Tight end, they brought in Jaheim Bell, they returned Jared Verse. At defensive end, and they brought in Fentrell Cypress at defensive back. This team's main question, like Clemson's, is the offensive line, but outside of that, they're so much deeper than the Tigers, and I think they're going to take the conference by storm, not just in 2023, but in the long term as well with how they're taking an opposite, more positive approach to NIL and the portal compared to the Clemson Tigers. At number 13, we have the USC Trojans. USC, as highly ranked as they are, they have one fatal flaw, that being Alex Grinch. This defense will be abysmal, and the offense will have to carry the defense every stinking game. Now, I've heard in fall camp, I have heard that the defense looks better. And bringing in Bear Alexander at defensive line, and bringing in Mason Cobb to pair with Eric Gentry, I can see why that is. I have USC going 10-3, 6-3 in conference, and I think that is closer to their floor than their ceiling. Their ceiling is winning it all. Their floor is probably 9-4, and And I have them going 10-3, beating Iowa in the Las Vegas Bowl, but I think they'll lose to Utah at home, Washington at home, and Oregon. All of those teams, spoiler alert, I have inside of my top 10, but we'll get to that later. A road game at Notre Dame is also tough, and then UCLA is no team to mess around with either. They were a team that just barely missed my top 25, and with Dante Moore, Carson Steele, Ethan Garbers, and many other playmakers—can't forget about Chip Kelly—their offense will be able to score against USC's defense. Tight end with Deuce Robinson. Eventually, they'll be one of the best in the nation there. I think they're going to start prioritizing to recruit there. But it's still a weakness right now. The staff would be an A if, for example, USC had Jim Knowles or Jesse Minter or Glenn Schumann as their defensive coordinator, as opposed to Alex Grinch. That's how badly he weighs the staff down. I think he'll be fired after this year. You got Caleb Williams, Mario Williams at quarterback, wide receiver, at running back, you have Marshawn Lloyd, who's awesome when healthy, and also Raleigh Brown. At the O-line, D-line, linebacker, even defensive back, there are playmakers too. And if you cannot win the Pac-12 with that roster, it points to coaching. And Alex Grinch, will be—he he will be what is thrown out of the Coliseum when USC begins to prepare for Big Ten play. Up next, we have the number 12 Texas Longhorns. From number 13 to number 12, I think marks a chasm. Where from here on out, every team, in my opinion at least, has a good shot or a great shot or an elite shot, obviously ascending from here to number one, of winning a national championship. Texas for sure has what it takes to win a national championship. They have the star quarterback, they have the Isaiah Nayers, Xavier Worthies, Jordan Whittington's, and AD Mitchell's at wide receiver. Could be the best wide receiver room in college football, but I think there are going to be two teams that will have even better wide receiver rooms, but we'll get to that later. At tight end, I think they have Jatavion Sanders, who is a great tight end. I didn't mean to say I think they have Sanders, but I think Sanders is an elite tight end. It's good for Quinn Ewers to have him, and Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning, and Malik Murphy. That's a legendary, legendary quarterback room. They return all of their starting offensive linemen at the defensive line position, linebacker, and defensive back. They have great players too. This defense will be stout. The offense will be stout. Unfortunately, I don't think it will be enough to go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and win against Alabama. I think TCU or Kansas State or Iowa State or maybe even Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma, there are a variety of games where I think Texas due to the fact that their coaching, in my opinion, is subpar compared to many other programs ahead of them, I think they're destined to lose to another game outside of Alabama. That game I don't exactly know, but if I was to put my finger on it, it would be TCU. It's a road game with one of the Big 12's better head coaches, and TCU, I think, is a team that, while maybe overrated by the polls, is underrated by several fans. Texas will beat Kansas State twice, once in the regular season, and once to win the Big 12. They will, however, lose in a contested Fiesta Bowl matchup, which could be one of the best bowl matchups of this 2023 season. Overall, Texas will finish 11-3, 8-1 in conference. Watch out for that skill position room. The Longhorns will be hanging tons of points with Sarkeesian's play calling this season. At number 11, we got the Oregon State beavers jonathan smith carried washington to the college football playoff under chris peterson now in what is going to be the pac-12's final season as a power conference can jonathan smith carry his alma mater to a college football playoff appearance this is an intriguing question and i haven't talked about my power rankings much because don't have a ton of time to but oregon state's in the top 10 here i want you to pay attention to that And what helps them and their case to reach the playoff outside of their roster is their schedule. This is one of the Pac-12's easier schedules in my mind. Utah and UCLA are at home. Same with Washington. Oregon, in my mind, is the only tough road game outside of maybe Washington State where the Beavers will have serious adversity come their way. I think Oregon State will be in the playoff conversation for the entire Season And I think they will only lose two games with an 11-2, 7-2 record in the Pac-12. They'll lose to Washington and Oregon, both of whom are much better than Oregon State. But I think Utah is also better than Oregon State. And the Beavers will beat the Utes. The Beavers will also beat NC State in their bowl matchup. And this team, I'm telling you, the offensive line is one of the best in the country. And tight end, they're solid. Defensive back, they're great at running back. They have Damian Martinez, who nearly hit 1,000 yards last year. They bring in D.J. Uyengalele, at quarterback, who I think is going to resurrect his college career. And NFL hopes with the Beavers. Jonathan Smith is a wizard on offense. I'm confident this team could reach the college football playoff, maybe even win it all. But unfortunately for the Beavers, Utah, Washington, and Oregon stand in the way, and I think Oregon State is likely going to lose to at least one of those teams, if not two, and my pick is Washington at home, Oregon on the road. I'm glad to see Civil War will likely continue as a football matchup, as I think the Oregon State Beavers are just going to keep climbing as a program as long as Jonathan Smith is there. The Beavers are also fantastic on special teams, and that offensive line, I just want to say it again, I would not be surprised if they won the Joe Moore Award this season, and they earned it. At number 10, the first team in our top 10 is the Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin rose all the way to 9th, and at times I considered putting them higher, but then they fell a little back down to earth at number 10, which many of you would still consider to be pretty high. I have them going 11-3, and 7-2 and in the Big Ten, and they face Ohio State in the regular season, and outside of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Wisconsin has a very doable schedule. I could see this team go 11 and 1, and if they can upset Ohio State, 12 and 0 is certainly not out of the question here. Luke Fickle is a phenomenal head coach, and he has a phenomenal staff as well, bringing his strength and conditioning staff from Cincinnati, where they developed several NFL players, bringing Mike Tressel, who has corn crazed mentioned in his Nebraska preview video about how Mike Tressel coached elite defenses with Michigan State, despite the fact they had no offense, and Phil Longo, much like Jonathan Smith, is a wizard on the offensive side of the football. So I think that staff comes in, and Wisconsin's top four in the Big Ten in returning production, they return a ton of offensive linemen, like Joe Huber, Tanner Bordellini, they bring in Cincinnati's starting center under Luke Fickle last season, they return Braylon Allen and Jez Malucci at running back, this team's going to come out, and they're going to be great, in my mind. And it'll help that Tanner Mordecai is coming in from SMU, and he will be Wisconsin's best quarterback since either Jack Cohn, or if you think he's better than Cone, definitely their best quarterback since Russell Wilson. They also have Maima Mehta at linebacker, and Jeff Petrowski, who they brought in through the transfer portal there too. So this team is stacked all around. I think they'll lose to Ohio State at home. Luke Fickle, since it's his former alma mater, will be prepared. They'll play it close, but Ohio State is just too talented, and they're going to be too much for Wisconsin. The Badgers, I also see, will lose on the road to Minnesota to close out the regular season, but they'll clinch the West division before losing to Michigan in the conference championship game. They'll play UTSA, who I think will be the best group of five team this year in the Cotton Bowl, where they will win in dominant fashion. 11-3. 7-2 and two in Big Ten play, and a New Year's Six Bowl win for Luke Fickle in year one. That's a pretty promising start, and I think one day Luke Fickle will win the Badgers a Big Ten championship. At number 9, we have the Oregon Ducks. The team with thousands of uniforms and zero national championships. Yet, this year could be the first year they do win a national championship. And I think a big reason for that is... They have the schedule where they—the Pac-12 this year, the round-robin schedule, really worked out well because, one, it does allow for, like, cannibalization of the conference, which can be a negative, but that also means that if a team like Oregon, USC, Washington, Utah, Oregon State, or maybe even UCLA, and they come out with an 11-1 and record and win their conference championship game, that's quite the resume. Oregon has Texas Tech on the road— Washington, Utah on the road, and they have USC and Oregon State at home. That's a very impressive resume right there. All those teams I listed could be top 25, top 20. Heck, all of them could be top 15 teams at the the end of the season. And this top 25, speaking of the end of the season, this is me projecting who I think the best teams will be, period, for this year. This isn't who is the best entering this season. This is Who is going to be the best in 2023? And I think Oregon is going to be the ninth best team for this season, and I think that they'll have the potential to win it all. I think they'll lose to Washington and Utah, both on the road. Both, I think, are more talented on the trenches overall. Oregon is a great offensive line, but they have questions at D-line. Utah and Washington have both great O-lines or elite O-lines, and then definitely both have elite D-lines. But they'll beat USC, Oregon State, and on the road at Texas Tech, and also beat a good Kansas State team in their bowl game. Dan Lanning is a rising head coach with a great staff, bringing in Will Stein from UTSA. I think Stein's impact will be seen on Bo Nix, on Troy Franklin, on Bucky Irving, on Noah Whittington, all elite players at their respective positions. They have great playmakers at tight end. Jackson Powers Johnson and a Johnny Cornelius will lead one of the nation's better offensive lines. The question for Oregon is their defense. I think their secondary is going to take a step back. Their special teams will be mediocre. But defensively, and at linebacker, Jordan Birch is going to be a really good pass rusher, and they have some other playmakers there too. So Skoducks, they're going to be a top ten team this year with an eleven and two record, seven and two in the Pac twelve, with a solid bowl win as well. And now we're at Penn State. Penn State at number eight. Penn State's a really good football team. In fact, they're a, a near elite, if not elite, football team. I think they're going to go 10-3, and 6-3 and three in the Big Ten. I think Ohio State and Michigan, as I've said in countless videos before, and it's not me dragging on Penn State. It's just what I see as factual. Penn State has not had a first-team All-Big Ten offensive lineman ever, since 2014, since James Franklin has got there, Olu Fashanu will be the first. That's not anything to be proud of, because Olu Fashanu is like a generational prospect at the NFL level. Generational. He'll be the first. The Big Ten especially thrives on offensive line play. That's something to take pride in, but also something to be ashamed of, because part of that is because the quarterback and wide receiver play in the conference is just abysmal outside of Ohio State, typically. Penn State has the quarterback, though I think he's a year too early. I think Drew Aller's going to be good. They have the elite running back room with Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. At tight end, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren are going to be good. Warren is certainly an underrated playmaker who's going to need to step up, and I think he will, due to some losses at wide receiver. However, the offensive line and the defensive line, while obviously good, They pale in comparison to Ohio State's and Michigan's, especially at offensive guard, offensive center, defensive tackle, and outside of Olu Fashanu, even at offensive tackle. And I think that's going to come to bite Penn State in the butt, especially when Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Illinois, really any team with a top 25 potential outside of maybe Maryland on this list— has better overall interior trench play. Penn State, I think, will lose to Ohio State and Michigan big time and be upset by Michigan State. They'll crush Ole Miss in the Citrus Bowl. They'll beat Iowa and Illinois handily. They'll you know, crush West Virginia, beat Maryland and Rutgers handily. And they're a really great team. Defensive back, linebacker, they're elite and among the best of the best with Abdul Carter, Kalen King, Keaton Ellis, and Jalen Reed. And at defensive end, Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, and Danny Dennis Sutton, those are great players as well. But I think Penn State, they're looking more so for 2024. It's a similar story with USC. There are just too many questions I have, whether off the field or on the field, for me to rate them as highly as others view them. At number seven, we have the LSU Tigers. I have LSU going 12-1, 7-1 in the SEC. Now, you may be wondering how they don't get in the college football playoff, but, oh boy, you'll see what I mean. The Louisiana State Tigers open up against Florida State, where I think they will avenge last year's devastating loss. They will go into Alabama undefeated, but ultimately, Alabama, they remember last year's loss, and more importantly, you don't beat Nick Saban in Bryant-Denny Stadium unless you have generational talent. Like, in 2019, LSU had generational talent. They also had generational talent in 2011. And in 2015, I think it was, yeah, when Ole Miss beat Alabama in Bryant-Denny Stadium, that team had tons of elite recruiting classes piled on top of one another. LSU, in my mind, isn't built enough at a talent standpoint to walk into Bryant-Denny. And win yet, they aren't. But I think that's going to be their only loss. I was looking, looking for upsets to assign to this team because in my mind I'm thinking, well, they're they're not good enough to be in the playoff in my mind this year. I think they're near top six. I have them as my seventh best team for this year, but I don't think, you know, getting 11 wins with that schedule is tough. But lo and behold, Brian Kelly has done it with similar schedules before at Notre Dame in 2012, 2018, and 2020. Notre Dame at worst had a bad schedule, but in 2012 they had a, an elite schedule, and they went 12-0, and so Brian Kelly knows how to win in the regular season, just not in the biggest games, but now that he has better talent, maybe that'll change. I think they're going to lose to Bama, they're going to beat Clemson in the Peach Bowl with a 12-1, and 7-1 and record, they're going to have a top, I'll say for sure top 10 defense, others including my power rankings think more highly of that, but... Mason Smith and Mekki Wingo, that's the best defensive tackle starting lineup in America. Harold Perkins and Omar Spates, you could say the same at linebacker. And a defensive back with Deuce Chestnut and other players, Matt House will have an elite defense at his disposal, and I think Malik Neighbors has all-American potential. And Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer. the Tigers also have a deep quarterback room. So this roster is loaded. I still have questions at special teams, but outside of that, this team does have the potential to win the SEC and win the national championship. I just don't think it will happen this season. At number 6, number 6 I think is another place where the gap further separates. Though, that more so happens at number 3, number 2, and number 1. But you could say that this is the tier 2A, whereas 12-7 to was tier 2B, I guess. I have Alabama at number six, and I think from a power ranking standpoint, in any power ranking, they should be higher just because of their sheer talent. They have the GOAT as their coach. However, I think that their questions at quarterback, their questions in my mind with coordinators and wide receiver, they don't have a ton of depth there as well, plus a massive scheme overhaul, I think will hold the Crimson Tide back but just for one year. As long as Nick Saban is there, this team will always have a shot to go 15 and 0. And I think next year when they return more production, similar story to Penn State, quarterback's more solved, the staff is more solved, the scheme is more set in place, I think Alabama might be the nation's number 1 team in 2024. Penn State could also contend for that. But we're talking about 2023. This team will beat Texas, will beat Ole Miss, They'll beat Texas A&M on the road. They'll, you know, crush Tennessee, dominate LSU, crush Kentucky. However, I don't think this team is consistent enough or talented enough or cohesive enough to survive the regular season undefeated. They have not done it for two years in a row. In 2021 and 2022, they suffered a loss. I think this team is less talented than both of those teams when factoring in development and experience. From a high school talent standpoint purely, this is probably Alabama's most talented team, but they lack experience, they're overhauling their scheme, and whether it's against LSU potentially, or Tennessee, or Texas early in the year, or I think more likely, on the road, in Jordan-Hare, where Nick Saban has never beaten a ranked Auburn team, I think Hugh Freeze, who's already has two wins over Nick Saban, is going to get it done again this year. Alabama will suffer their first loss of the year on the road at Auburn, and then Georgia, who is fundamentally better, I think at every position, every position except for running back, will beat them in a slow grudge match in Atlanta. Alabama will then go on to beat Florida State in the Orange Bowl. Again, Alabama has Nick Saban as their head coach. They have had the best recruiting class, in 24-7 sports history in the 2023 cycle, they have Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Caleb Downs, Jaheem Otis on defense. On the offensive line, watch out for J.C. Latham. C.J. Dupree at tight end was awesome at Maryland. And at wide receiver, I think Ja'Cory Brooks has all-American, definitely all-SEC potential. And at running back with Chase McClellan and Roydell Williams, I think the Alabama Crimson Tide could lead the SEC in rushing yards this season. At number five, we have the Utah Utes. Utah, I have going 12-2, and 8-1 and one in the Pac-12. Only losing to Oregon State on the road, and also losing in a rematch against Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. This team is physical. They're like Kansas State, but miles better. You know what you're going to get out of Utah every year. If this team didn't have its reputation of being sound, fundamental, but of not having the explosive talent or X-Factor players to get to the highest level, if you tweaked a few things about Utah, I might have them in the playoffs this year. But I already made that mistake in 2022, and I don't think Utah has the—they don't have the consistent talent, or maybe it's the mindset or I don't exactly know what it is. They're almost incapable of reaching the playoff. They're like Wisconsin. This team will be like 2017 Wisconsin. Great defense, great offense. They'll be worse defensively, better offensively in my mind than that Wisconsin team, but point still stands. They also have a much tougher schedule. They'll dominate the regular season. Outside of a loss to Oregon State, they'll crush USC, handle Oregon, beat Washington on the road. They'll have one of the most impressive resumes in the country, with Baylor and Florida as non-conference games. But against Washington in a rematch, or Oregon State on the road, or potentially USC on the road too, Utah struggled on the road against USC before, the moment could be too big for them, or the talent disparity could be too much for Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham is one of the best staffs in the nation, with Morgan Scaly and Andy Ludwig. At quarterback, Cameron Rising is a top 10 quarterback in the nation. At running back, JaQuin Jackson is awesome. Same with Micah Bernard. At tight end, Brant Cuthie is a player who I think will definitely have over 500 receiving yards this year. And at the defensive line, Junior Tufanu, who was the Pac-12 freshman player of the year in 2021, I think is primed to have a better season this year than he did last year along with the entire defensive line. Cameron Rising may not be healthy in Week 1 or maybe even Week 2, but this team is so much better than Florida, I expect them to blow out the Gators. At Baylor, that could be a tough matchup, though. Very tough schedule, but I think the Utes and Kyle Whittingham have what it takes to get it done on the field. And they'll beat Texas as well in the Fiesta Bowl. Almost forgot to mention that. At number four, we have Utah. I think Utah will be the third seed in the college football playoff. Entering it with a 12 and one record, eight and one in the Pac-12. Unfortunately, I have them losing to two-seeded Michigan, two-seeded Michigan, in the Rose Bowl semifinal game, where Michigan's talent, depth, experience, coaching is going to be too much for Washington to handle. The Washington-Michigan game in the Rose Bowl is going to be what should have been the TCU-Michigan game last year, but was it wasn't that TCU, and you Washington could do the same thing. Pulled all the tricks out of the hat, they played more complimentary and sound football, and they won the game. And Washington can totally do that. I think they're going to reach the college football playoff, beating Michigan State, Oregon, USC, Oregon State, Washington State, and Utah in a rematch. They'll only lose to Utah at home, but I also could see them losing to USC on the road or Oregon at home as well. This team on the offensive line has great tackles. They also have two defensive ends on the other side of the trenches who will be drafted at wide receiver. Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze. I think that's the second-best wide receiver core in the nation. At running back, they brought in Dylan Johnson from Mississippi State. At quarterback, Michael Penix, I think, will easily get over 5,000 passing yards this year and will be a Heisman Trophy finalist. Defensively, they have some concerns, but they use the portal, returning experience, and bringing in Jabbar Muhammad from Oklahoma State to fix those things, and I think indeed they will fix those issues. At number three, we have the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia will be the number one seed in the college football playoff. I know that these rankings, of course, they don't match up with the seeding, but the seeding is going to be done by the committee, And it's not, it's of course not going to take the semifinal games and those results into account as they're done at the conclusion of the regular season, not at the conclusion of the preseason, obviously. Georgia, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because they have a cupcake schedule and they're going to just ruffle stop all of their competition. No one in the regular season will play Georgia within 10 points. None. No one. Their closest win before the playoff will be Alabama by 11 points. The closest. They'll crush Auburn on the road, even though they'll probably have some initial problems. South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Florida, they're going to end Florida's streak of scoring. Florida's offense is putrid. Georgia is going to want to crush the world's largest cocktail party, like they do every year under Kirby Smart, and Tennessee, Ole Miss... Those teams as well, I think, are going to fall victim to Georgia's phenomenal team. What Kirby Smart has done with Georgia is nothing short of amazing. And despite the departure of Todd Monkin, I think that the offense will hum with Carson Beck at quarterback, with Brock Bowers at tight end, and Cedric Van Brandt at offensive center. And at linebacker, defensive line, defensive back, Malachi Starks will be a breakout player. I think Nazir Stackhouse will be a breakout player. And same thing with Michael Williams at defensive end. Unfortunately, Ohio State will be the four seed, once again, just like last year. They'll match up in the Sugar Bowl, and Ohio State has a huge matchup advantage over Georgia. Ohio State is going to have a lot more experience than Georgia. I think Ohio State is going to upgrade at coaching staff compared to Georgia, because they returned everyone. Georgia lost their best staffer, in my mind, in Todd Monken. And Ohio State will do to Georgia— What they did to Clemson in 2020 after losing in a close game in 2019. It will be ugly. It will be competitive for probably a quarter or a half, but Ohio State at some point is going to go off, and they're going to send Georgia home. Georgia can definitely three-peat. I'm not saying they can't. I just don't think they will, and I think Ohio State's experience, their matchup advantage, their mentality, and the fact that three-peating is nearly impossible, all of those things will go in Ohio State's favor. But Ohio State is one of the few teams in the country who can even hope to beat Georgia. That's how deep and elite this Georgia team is. At number two, we have the Ohio State Buckeyes. I think the Ohio State Buckeyes will go 12-2, and 8-1 and one in the Big Ten Conference. The Buckeyes will once again lose to Michigan this year. And you can obviously tell who I have as my number one team in all of America. But Ohio State, if Michigan isn't number one, Ohio State will certainly be number one. I think that they will run through Notre Dame, run through Penn State, escape Wisconsin on the road, and there's no shame in saying that. Wisconsin on the road is a tougher road game than most teams have in a singular regular season. They'll beat Michigan State, Minnesota, and they'll play Michigan much closer than they have in the past two seasons. And a huge part of the reason why that is, is because Ohio State's defensive tackle room with Tywin Malone... Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, and Mike Hall almost forgot his name. Shame on me. That's the nation's number one defensive tackle room. You realize that, right? Number one in depth. I don't think number one in the best defensive tackle in America, but depth-wise and the fact that Larry Johnson loves to rotate his defensive linemen, the Buckeyes D-line is going to be a superior unit at stopping the run compared to Almost any other defensive line in the country. And you have JT Tui Molau on that defensive line. Tommy Eichenberg is going to be starting at linebacker. He'll be an All American there. Davison Igbenosin, Denzel Burke will be great secondary players. And that's not even getting into the offense, which Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Igbuka, we know that's going to be an elite wide receiver room, the best in the nation. Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, and Kyle McCord all have a lot to prove, and I think are going to prove it by being the best at their positions or close to it in the nation, with Henderson and Williams being top 10 running backs and McCord being a top 10 quarterback. On the offensive line, they have some concerns at tackle, whether it's Josh Simmons, Josh Fryer, Tegra Shabaloa, or Luke Hamilton, but they'll find their way at tackle, and at guard and center, they're going to be among the best in the country. The run game is going to be much improved. The pass game will barely drop off. But I think Michigan at number one will be too much for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And that's because Michigan returns the most out of any Big Ten team. The only power five teams that return more than Michigan are Kansas and Florida State. And none of them have the same talent or recruiting prowess that Michigan currently has on their roster. Now, Florida State is currently out recruiting Michigan, but that's for the years to come. Previously, before the 2024 cycle, Michigan has far out-recruited Florida State, and if not that, if that statement's accurate, then you can't debate that they've developed far better than the Seminoles have, putting first-rounders in the majority of the drafts, since Jim Harbaugh has been the head coach, and Harbaugh has assembled Sharon Moore, Jesse Minter, Steve Klinkscale, all of whom are great coaches. And especially with Sharon Moore, who I think is an elite coordinator, more of an elite O-line coach, and one day will be a head coach. This team returns J.J. McCarthy at quarterback, who will be a top-eight quarterback. At running back, Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum could be the top two running backs in America. I think Corum is number one, Quinton Judkins is number two, and Donovan Edwards is number three. And Mayan Williams is number four, just for the record. That's what I think. This team is amazing. They'll go 15-0, 9-0 in the Big Ten. I want to go back to my power rankings briefly and say that there are things about Michigan's rankings I disagree with. I think Michigan will have the second best offense in the nation, but I don't think it will be better than Ohio State's offense. My power rankings is low on Ohio State's offense because of their issues at tackle, but I think Ohio State's skill positions will be so good that 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 tackle problem will It won't matter as much as one might want to believe that it will. And for Michigan, there's a good chance that Washington and Oregon will put Michigan in that fourth or fifth place, because Oregon and Washington, in my mind, will probably call the more explosive plays and probably have more speed on the offensive side of the ball than the Wolverines do. But Michigan will also have an elite defense on the defensive line, linebacker, and especially at corner with Will Johnson and potentially... Josh Wallace or Amorian Walker, if he can get healthy. That's the nation's number one cornerback room in my mind. Chris Jenkins at defensive tackle, Brayden McGregor and Jalen Harrell at defensive end. And at offensive line, we cannot forget Drake Nugent at center and Zach Sinner and Trevor Keegan on his opposite sides on the interior. And Trent A. Jones, Carson Barnhart, Ladarius Henderson at tackle. This team, I think, will pass, surpass, Georgia's record for players taken in a single draft. And that's the Michigan Wolverines. These are the national national champion that I'm picking for the 2023 season, pardon me, and that's the conclusion of this video. Thank you guys so much for watching this video. If you liked it, please hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, click the notification bell, and comment your thoughts on this video down below. Thank you all for watching, and I'll see you guys around. Bye-bye.